Hey guys, welcome to our podcast. We are very excited to be back. It's post holidays, which is like a happy time for me because holidays can get a little bit stressful. Uh, holidays also get a little bit stressful when you're like moving and trying to remodel your house and stuff. And there's all these activities you got to go and attend, but the activities are awesome. Uh, we've had a good time and lots of good family time. Yeah. We've, we've had quite a few parties and I think everybody, all of us did. We did take a week break, which the whole week was a drag for me because I'm like, man, I want to talk about James, but we had to take a little rest break. Um, and getting into the new year, there is every year, I, obviously all of us have a time when we you know, think about what is going to be my new year thing that I'm going to do. And many people don't really follow the fat at all. I don't like to focus on um, like a new year resolution. I just like to think of what I can do better. And because once you make a set of goals and you don't achieve those goals, you kind of get you know, upset at yourself, discouraged, discouraged. And then you're like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, but, but if you, if you think of these, you know, primary changes that you really want to put forth, especially when it comes to your spiritual life, those are really the only things I try to focus on and family things. Um, that's when it, I don't know, it's a little bit closer to heart and I feel like you fight for it a little more. So, you know, we talked about it with my wife, like what we want to do different. I think one thing we did talk about I don't know how you guys feel about this, um, but we definitely talked about having that family church. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, now we have a kid and do you sit down with your family or your wife and dive into scripture and have, uh, you know how you, you go to a church on Sunday, but do you have a family church? And it doesn't have to be, you know, your wife has to get up and say, sing a song to you or anything like that. What I mean by that is basically you and your loved one and your kids spending time in scripture together. Because my wife and I, we, you know, with our busy schedule, most of the time last year, um, we'd spend time in scripture separately. You know, she's listening to um, a podcast that has a certain study going on. She's got her little notebook. She's doing her thing. And then, you know, when I when I have my time, which is usually in the mornings or um, at work, a lot of times at work is when I read, we just have different separate times. And, and, and I've noticed that from last year, there is this separation where we're not really together in scripture, even though we're studying scripture on our own. The only time we're together is like when us couples would get together, you know, unfortunately that's like a sad reality, um, of just an example of us, things that we can improve on. And I feel like the family church definitely needs work. Um, the time that you spend together, um, and especially if you have kids, the time you spend reading, pondering and thinking and praying together, I mean, those are precious things. And even though it's a, I feel like it's a good thing that you could have your own separate study going on, you could, you should be doing both, but mainly you should be family church as a priority. And that's not, it's just one of those things that you don't, I don't know, we didn't think about because we're so busy, but once you start thinking about it, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's an important thing to do. So that's just one of those things. I don't know. I don't know what you guys had. I'll share what uh, my wife mentioned today about you know the whole New Year's resolution thing. So we we're not we don't really set New Year's resolutions for us because usually we, we just don't really follow through them, and then so we just kind of don't do it. So you're normal. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> um, but 
used this this past New Year's or so, I guess the end of 2020. I didn't really have a lot of time to reflect on the year. Uh, I think mainly just because towards the end of the year I was very busy remodeling my house and getting ready for Alina's family to arrive. Uh, that's something kind of that became a family tradition for us is that they would come down from the from uh, Minnesota now I guess and spend the Christmas and New Year's at home with us. And the whole remodeling thing, I guess I was just so engraved in that that because we're trying to sell our house right now, <clears throat> I didn't really have time to reflect on my accomplishments or lack thereof or where I failed, where I grew type of deal in 2020. And come 2020, uh, 2021, I didn't really set myself any goals either. But the, my wife did mention something today to me about it. Uh, she said that last year, like usually every year she kind of uh, gets a word for herself as a kind of like a focus point for the year. And last year she said that it was community and she feels like uh, over the year 2020, our our couples group grew a lot closer together. Oh yeah, uh, we were able to uh, set to I don't say accomplish. We we're able to go like on several trips together, once to the mountains, once to the beach, and you know just around Charlotte, being able to do things together, hanging out, parties. I feel like this year we've been a lot more closer together, sharing each other's needs and praying for each other, and just having good times. A lot of times in scripture. A lot of you know debating and sharing of opinions, sharing of blessings, praying for each other, and I feel like over in the year 2020 we, we grew we grew in terms of community a lot more than we have in previous years. But the word for that she set for herself for 2021 is progress. So whatever she, she kind of for herself established or was able to start last year, she wants to progress that throughout this year and grow in that. And I guess I'm kind of like piggybacking off of her idea as well, uh, especially in terms of like, you know, this podcasting something that we started last year. Um, and it was a difficult time to start it, but we were able to start it. And I think we were, for the most part, pretty successful in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. But there's a well, lot- Well, we didn't give a, up after episode 10, so I'd say <laughs> we're pretty successful. But in, well, what I'm trying to say is that this is definitely see something that I personally can progress in spiritually and definitely hoping that my pro spiritual progressing can reflect on the listeners that they too can, you know, come to know Christ more. So, but that's just something for me for for this come in going into 2021. And that goes for all of us. Um, we're we're very thankful for all the people who have been listening, all the feedback that we've gotten. We've definitely gotten a lot of a lot of positive and some negative feedback. And I think I can speak for everybody that we appreciate both because we understand that. We have a lot to learn, as Serge was saying. I think there's a lot of progression that all of us can be doing, whether it's on the, the technical aspects of this this thing or the more important stuff like the spiritual aspects of it, understanding God's word and for us to be diving into on a day, on a daily basis so that we can grow personally and so that we can further help the people who are listening. But I think for sure that's something that all of us really want to progress in this year to to push this podcast as as far as God wants us to push it, and, and if all we're going to do is just help out a few people here and there, then I think we've all already been in agreement that we're happy with that. And, and if that's what God wants for us, then we're ready to take that challenge on. But if, if there's more for us to do, then we're all ready to do that as well. And we're just really thankful for anybody who has been sticking around this long, anybody who has listened this long. Continue to share your thoughts. Continue to ask us questions, to 
give us positive or negative feedback. We're, we're ready for anything, and we're just excited to see what, what God can do through us in 2021. Tell me this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. It's your first new year with your wife as a family. What did you guys discuss? On New Year's? Yeah. We were... Because now you have... You know, now you have two people that are setting goals mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call them, you know, bettering or, you know, resolution or whatever. What did you guys have? I think what Serge actually just brought up with him and his wife, that's probably, I mean, we didn't like bring up a word for sure it or something. you didn't something, have your own New Year's party? But <laughs> <laughs> no, totally did not. But that's, that's such a perfect way to put it. You know, if you are going to summarize it in just one word, because... You know, we are a very newly married couple and we've only been together for what, four months now, five months now. So we are still babies at this whole marriage thing. And there's definitely a lot for us to progress in, especially getting married during COVID. I, I know that sounds like an excuse, but it's kind of ruined a lot of a lot of the plans that we made for ourselves. And, and 2021 just I know it's kind of cliche for us to say it's like, a you know, it's a, it's a new page. I think your wedding was my favorite wedding that I've ever been to. <laughs> in my life besides my own <laughs> that's a good thing but yeah i think for 2021 for us it's just progressing just moving forward in this life whether it's serving together in church or whether it's financially just in, in, in any aspect in our life we really want to just make this a year where we can push ourselves forward as a as a couple to answer your question, Alex, initially you asked, um, I think about the family and about uh, the time we spend in the word and how important that is. And I think we had a little discussion um, offline right before this uh, and completely unrelated, but we've mentioned how a lot of us are in the kids' ministries. And um, when you get to know the uh, kids and you see them from different age groups, right? Starting from younger, even to older and the older they progress, I think the more you can even realize and see um, which families actually spent time with the children in period or period. And then which ones actually spent time in the word with them. And you, you get to know this by talking to them. And I think we've all come to realize the importance of it, uh, especially within a family that the word of God should be important. One thing that comes to mind to me, is there's a quote, I forget who it was by, some famous guy. Um, he said, you know, uh, friendship begins when two people find uh, something in common. And uh, when we're in a family, especially with our spouses, one thing, one thing that we have in common um, amongst us here is that we're all believers in Christ. Um, and we're, uh, we study the word, and I think one way to even grow a friendship, right? Like even if you have a hobby, like you guys, you know, you have a buddy that you go play tennis with. When you play tennis with them, you have fun, you enjoy that time together. And the same thing here with the word of God, when you are with your spouse, it's good. I think it is good to have personal studies because everyone's different. Not everyone's going to be going through the same exact thing. But when you have a unified study, you get to understand each other more. You also get to understand the word more. Um, me and Allah started doing that, um, last year to kind of do what we're doing here, word by uh, verse by verse, starting from first Samuel. It's just, it's amazing to see like the, in the lives of everyday people, when you actually study it and you see how God impacts in their lives and you, you look at how they behaved and whether or not they behaved correctly. I don't know if we can necessarily judge that, but um, sometimes when you read it and like you look at it, it's so amazing to see just how God is working. Um, and then going with what Serge said with um, the thing that Alina does, I did something similar where you get a single word, but you get, you get a single, um, for, for my personal 
uh, self. You get a single uh, attribute of God, and you read the Bible, and you try to just remember in the back of your mind that attribute of God. Uh, for, I think, the past year, it, for me, it's been mercy. Um, and it's amazing to see we were reading about Jonah, we were reading about Ruth, just looking at God's mercy um, and how he was merciful to every, all the different characters in the, the story, especially the main character. Um, for me, it was just amazing to focus on that. Um, and I think throughout the whole book, you just look at it and you see how merciful God is and you get to appreciate him more. Um, and I don't, ha don't have an attribute for this year, but um, I'm just going to okay. pick one and go with it. You still got a few days. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it not New Year? Well, that is already... But Russia's celebrating like their Christmas late, so you still have time. Isn't it like January 7th, Russia's Christmas? Yeah. Something like that, but isn't that more like a communism thing or something? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, don't know I might be completely wrong. Speaking of God's word, our podcast is about that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of communism. <laughs> okay, now you catch on. Okay, never mind. Forget I said that. So we've been diving into James, and... Um, We've been talking about the word. We've been talking about what it means for the word to be in our life, um, what the word is and how to live, not only by it, but live in it. Um, and I think, you know, we've got verses 25 through, well, 21 through 25 in James chapter one, uh, for those of you who have your scripture, if you want to open up with us. Uh, but I want to, I think I'm going to read verses 21 through 25 and we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be doers, not hearers only. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if any one is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not forgetful here, but a doer of the word, this one will be blessed in what he does. So it begins, I think we went through um, verses 19 through 21 last time. Um, and we're going through verse 22. I think the reason why Alex read 21 was key word here um, in the beginning of 22 is but. So, but be doers of the word. So when you hear the word but, what do you guys usually think of? Continuation. Yeah, continuation. Or maybe like also like a rebuttal or I don't know if that's <laughs> the correct term. Um, kind of like um, this and this, but. So it's like, this is true. I don't know. What do you guys think? So something is coming before that, but. Yeah. So it's probably important for us to check what the verse Look before back. that was, or maybe the, the thought that was going on right before the writer wrote this, this current verse, because clearly he's continuing a thought that he started previously. Exactly. So we added it's, verse 21. It's almost like a condition. Like mm -hmm. you, you, do, you get this, this, or that, but there's a condition. Mm -hmm. And it's. And looking at the context here, is it's, it calls to action. Yeah. One thing, uh, Alex started from 21. I also want to read 19 through 20 because I think, in my opinion, uh, he, when he says but, it refers to verse 19 uh, because it says doers of the word, right? He, he says but do, be doers of the word and not 
hearers only. Uh, so verse 19, keyword here. Um, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For, this, uh, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampart wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able. So we receive this implanted word. So that's a call to hear. Same thing in verse 19, let every person be quick to hear. So I think James is progressing slowly. At first he's saying, first we ought to hear the word of God. Um, but then verse 22, and our topic for today, um, is not only to hear, but to be doers of the word. So what does it mean to be doers of the word? I think before we go into that, we have to define what the word is. The good point. I was thinking I think, that too. I think we need to figure out what this word is, because clearly it's important. <laughs> clearly it makes a big difference if we hear this word, if we do according to this word, if we have this word, if we don't have this word. So what is the word? So my question is, it, we obviously, I think, know that the word is the word of God, but um, is it the word of God when you're talking about the author, right? And the time frame that he was writing this, was he talking about the Old Testament or do we apply that to the New Testament as well? Because I don't know if um, when or exactly what is the word, just like Mark said, I guess we have to define that. Well, it's interesting that he says that it's the word that is able to save your souls. And we know that there's only one thing that can really save our souls, mm -hmm. which is Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And if you read, <clears throat> if you remember our last podcast, uh, when we talked about John 1.14, there he clearly lays out uh, many examples, metaphors, similes to what the word is, the light. And he comes down to a conclusion, uh, kind of like a big staple saying that, in reality, the word is Jesus Christ. And it, the only way you can receive him is through verse 21 is you have to lay aside first of what is the filthiness and what is the overflow of wickedness or the things um, that are filthy in your life, right? The things that, um, you know, I, I think of it as like, we talked about this last time, but anything filthy, you, you want to be away from it. Because, you know, it has maybe like a certain strong smell or an odor. Or it, it's just not comfortable to be around. It's something that's, um, if it's around you, you don't want to be there. But it's something that can be inside of us too. You know, we could have a, outwardly, we could be this beautiful person. But we can have a lot of filthiness in our heart. A lot of things that bring us down. Um, and mainly, you know, sin. When I think of filthiness and wickedness, those are all sinful natures that we have to lay aside and then when we lay it aside, it's a strong kind of, um, it's a strong move of putting it away. You have to not only put away for later, you have to get it away so that it does not come in contact with you again. You have to throw away all these, all this wickedness. And only for that, only for Christ, only for if, if he is the word, which he is, um, those are the only times you would throw away or lay away or uh, lay aside all that wickedness and filthiness. Because otherwise, how would you receive something so pure or something so powerful and loving? I think that's why he adds the word meekness in there or yeah. whatever your translation may be, but meekness, uh, humility, that's, that's a key factor because it's so natural for us as humans to never want to let go of those things that make us the most filthy. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 in our, it's in our blood. It's, it's, we're, we're born sinners and we never want to get rid of it. And so a key factor, Mark brought up verse 19, same thing. He's telling you to slow down. 
He's like, be quick to listen, but slow down. Slow down on the wrath. Slow down on your, your reaction. Slow down on speaking. Be ready to take a, take a step back. Humble yourself. And then that's when he says that you can be implanted with the word. That's when Jesus can actually do something with you when you're willing to put yourself aside, just for a second at least. I love how you weren't here when we were discussing verses 19 through 21, and you're so on point with what we were discussing. Okay. It's so a, you it's should awesome. have been here. I was here with you in spirit. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were about to throw some shade on him. <laughs> Apparently you're praising No, I just... Let me tell no, you why you're it wrong. Ma- it makes me happy. Like, I, I was smiling. Um, one thing, one verse that I wanted to share, uh, Serge mentioned specifically, right? We, we, the question Mark asked initially was, what is the word? Serge mentioned uh, a... Uh, I guess, a piece from verse 21. Um, Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And what word is able to save your souls? I'm going to read Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So um, it's talking about, I think, the gospel of Christ. Uh, as well as, you know, the rest of the word, but it is the gospel of Christ because we know, well, I'll, we'll get to that part later, talking about the liberty and the law. Um, uh, sorry. You guys want to move on to verse 22? Be not hearers, but doers. Well, yeah. So I, we mentioned that it's a call to action. Um, I was thinking... Um, what does it mean then to what well, like I think here he's about to bring up and you already read a example of what it means like to not be hearers only but doers. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention was uh, you guys brought up Alex brought up therefore putting away all filthiness and rampant rampant wickedness. And I was thinking about the gospel of Christ and thinking about the message that Christ preached. Right, we think about the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it, it is, it is not just a word about freedom, right? That's, you know, where sometimes we'll hear, you know, what is the gospel? Oh, the gospel is all about grace. It's all about awesomeness. You know, it's like God so loved us and it's all about love, but yeah. But when we actually look at, um, the law that Christ set down, it's a little even more stringent in some respect than the law of Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, when we look at, uh, the sermon on the Mount, and how strict Christ is and certain things. So it is convicting as well. And we've talked about uh, how the word is convicting. So when we receive the word and we we ought to not only hear, but to act on it. And I think that's everything that we've been talking in the last session versus 19 through 21, especially 21, to put away all these things. I think that's because the word is calling us to do that. Um, And uh, when we ought to receive it, we not only ought to just hear, and ignore it, but we ought to actually do it and Act to fulfill it. it. Yeah. Okay. Off sin. I have a question then. Do you think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I really, I don't know if maybe You're I'm wrong. I might be. I might be actually. <laughs> wrong. Um, so it, I feel like it's a really easy, it's really easy for us to be reading this, this passage right now and for us to automatically put the Bible in place of word. Right, like, because to us it, it makes sense, you know. Don't just read the Bible; do do what the Bible says, you know. Take God's word and put it into action. My my thought right now is though, the James was writing this at a time where there was no Bible, not full Bible, not a full Bible. 
So when he was telling the people who were reading this, be doers of the word, they weren't thinking what I'm thinking, which is take God's word, the Bible, read it, fulfill it, apply it into my life and act upon it. They were thinking something else, right? So was there, was their first like instinct Jesus then? Cause to me, that kind of changes it to me. Now I'm thinking I'm not supposed to, it, it's not so much be doers of the word as in read the Bible and do what the Bible tells you, even though that's right to me, it's be doers of what Christ himself was. Take him, accept him into your heart and then do what, as he did, you know, don't just hear about Christ, but do what Christ did. It, I mean, I think, I think the ultimate ending is the same because I don't, I don't think it matters if you follow Christ or the Bible, it's the same thing. It's God's word. It's Christ's word. It's, it, to me, it's the same thing, but I feel like when you take that word and you turn it into Christ, to me, that's, it's, a, it's almost even more significant to me because now you're not just taking God's word and you're amplifying it into your life. Now I'm taking Christ himself and the things he did, the way he acted, and it's my job to do as Christ did and to be a doer of Christ. It's interesting because I got the same note for myself for verse 22. Yeah, we all read your notes. Act, <laughs> act like Christ acted, do what he did, love like he did. Um, because, you know, we all know that the word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is Christ. But uh, it's interesting. I think during this time, the Jewish culture was in such a place where they did the bare minimum. And it's not, it wasn't just this time. Even, you know, hundreds of years before that, they're already at that point where they were just doing the bare minimum if not even less of what god was expecting from them and it got to the point where it wasn't god wasn't even accepting their sacrifices anymore because not only was it the bare minimum but they offered the worst thing that they could offer like lame, uh, lame lambs or something like that spotted or they ate food that they weren't supposed to eat when they were offering just sacrifices to god and things like that and it just became very displeasing aroma to god and I'm wondering if, if this is what this is kind of relating to that, where we know that the at this time, the Jewish nation, they already had the Old Testament um, as, you know, the Old Testament, like we know today, was already put together into this one kind of accepted book of everything that we know about the Old Testament. But the, obviously the New Testament wasn't written yet. So they did ha have, you know, we'll just... Well, call it for simple terms half of the bible but they didn't have a book but they didn't have a book scrolls, scrolls. Yes. Book, books weren't invented yet yeah but the point is is that um and again you guys can correct me if, if my way of thinking is a little off but it seems like to me that they did the bare minimum when were versus when christ came he went above and beyond mm -hmm. right like mark already said that if you actually read the gospel uh it seems a little bit actually more strict than what actually moses gave them right where you know jesus christ said don't just it's not, you're not sinning when you act, but when you first think about it, that you've already sinned, right? It seems like he took it a step beyond in, in a lot of cases that just the mere thought of doing something, you're already falling into sin, not just, not just by acting on it, but just by thinking about it. And so therefore, I do, I, to me, it, it speaks as if that it's not just about, you know, reading the Bible and hearing about it, like you said, but actually acting upon it, applying it to our lives, loving like Christ did, acting like he did. I think to who he was writing it to, and I love that you asked this question because now I'm thinking about it. I think to, to who he was writing to, the believers of that day, Christ is the only thing that they could Th That's my to. whole point though. Yeah, they it didn't have the, the Bible. Only thing that, because, and the reasons being is because the word that they had 
um, you know, the scrolls of the Old Testament. That's not what saves your soul. Those are just things to um, keep adjust, to, to keep you on God's path. God gave those rules in order to have some sort of structure, right? Well, the Old Testament just directed us towards Christ. It, but it that's, was, right, but the, but, but the rules or the laws is not what saved you. And a lot of people perceive that that is what saves you, um, that as long as you do your sacrifices and follow the rules, even though they stretch the rules into ridiculous things, like, for example, you couldn't you know, walk away from your home so they would take a brick of their house and they would bring it into a half mile away and put the brick down and said, well, I'm near my home. You know, this is part of my home. So rules like that were stretched. Um, but to them, Christ is the only thing that they needed. It's the only thing that was important to them. See, I think to us, um, this could be like when we, when we think of the word as God, it, it, like you said, it has a little bit more of a significance. Um, but to them, that was the only thing that it could mean. So James is writing to the Jewish people. If we look at the first verse, first chapter, James, a servant of God and the, of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in dispersion, greetings. He's writing to believers, the Jewish yeah, believers of that time. So sure. if you read in context here uh, from verse 18, uh, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be kind of first fruits by his creation. Next section talks about hearing and doing the word. That's why I believe this is actually talking about the Bible and hearing. This is why it says Including here, the Old Testament. Yes, Old Testament and the New right. Testament, the gospel. That's why he goes into be quick to hear, slow to speak, as in be slow to teach, be slow to um, you know, teach others about this word, slow to anger, as in when the word convicts you, be slow to anger. Don't just, you know, with meekness, bring, uh, take it in and meditate on it and change and be doers of the word. I think that if you look in context, I think it's talking actually about the word of God and the gospel. Well, I think verse 25 context. also talks about it too, right? But the one who looks into the perfect law, yeah. um, a, especially if you mentioned we're talking about um, the letter is to Jewish people. When they hear perfect law, when they hear word, they're obviously thinking about the Old Testament. But I, th I think we've all, we've all come to an agreement as well because at this point, um, the gospel was spread about uh, with all these people, and they were also referring to the gospel of Christ as the word, um, as his message. Because I think we've already looked at a few points where it, James, again going back, is the brother of Christ. We've already uh, pointed that out. And so a lot of the points here too, um, we talked about how the book of James is actually an application of a Christian's life. And we've seen how a lot of it's reflected to Christ's teaching, especially talking about um, Christ's Sermon on the Mount, which I'll read here in a, two seconds. One thing I wanted to talk about was so many conversations going on. We were actually thinking, oh, it's going to be quick. We're going to breeze through this. Here we go. Um, <laughs> you were thinking that. <laughs> I know. I was, I was like, this is going to be simple. Um, it is simple, but it's amazing. And it, it's, I think it's worth talking about it. One thing Serge mentioned, um, talking about how um, at that time, people were looking at the word, looking at the law, and they were actually looking at a lot of loophole, loopholes and they were treating it in such a way where I don't think they were actually living to it. Um, Christ calls out a lot of uh, hypocrisy. One point I wanted to read out and how ingrained this mindset was within the culture at the time that even the disciples questioned Christ on certain things he said. Um, Christ is talking about divorce here in Matthew 19. I'll read it real quickly. Matthew 19 verse eight. 
He said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Verse 10, listen to the disciples uh, reaction. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. So this is like their reaction. Christ says, you know, um, this is, you should only divorce in certain situations. And they're like, if that's the case, it's better not to even get married. Uh, because they were already attuned to the fact where a certain cultural norms were be- behaved, where if you were displeased with your wife, you just let her go and find yourself another one. Um, and I want to read Matthew 5, again, going back to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Christ himself is saying, I didn't come to change it. I've come to fulfill it. And then he also calls us to not only, you know, receive the word, but to actually do the word. Same thing, exactly what we're talking about here in verse 22 um, and 23, I think. I think we're all kind of, I think we're all talking about the same thing. To me, I don't know. It was just interesting to think that like, like, like Vlad was saying, God's word is what we're thinking about here. Take God's word, apply it into your life. But they didn't have that necessarily Mm -hmm. back then, you know? So for them, that word was the manifestation of the word, which was Christ. So it's it's the same thing. And like I said, like, I think you get to the same end point, whether you follow Christ or whether you follow the word, because it's, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. But I, I just think it's interesting to think that the people he was writing to, their main version of that word was Christ living on that earth and being the fulfillment of the law, which is also the word. It's just so cool how it's all tied in so much and how... I mean, we were talking about this for our Christmas episode and we weren't really planning on talking about that. And yet this fills in like, this kind of continues that whole word topic so perfectly, even though we didn't really plan it. I just think that's cool. Um, One thing I wanted to, going back to Jonah and when we were reading Ruth, one thing we discussed, I know, going all the way back. uh, One thing we did discuss was um, the heart of the law, right? A lot of people would look at the law and they would look at the letter of the law and they would only fulfill it only to a certain point without looking at the heart of the law and fulfilling it fully. We talked about how Boaz saw the law and actually fulfilled the heart of it where he was gracious um, to Ruth, right? He went above and beyond because the the, um, heart of the law talks about being gracious to those who have nothing. And so instead of just, you know, kind of like bare minimum 10%, he went above and beyond because that's what the call, the heart of the law was calling him to do out of his abundance to supply for those who are in need. And I think he, he did that, you know, to the letter, same thing with Christ, where Christ looks at the law. Um, it, the heart of the law is good, right? Man get the law. They look at letter by letter and they perverse it because of their nature. They're, they want to uh, fit the law under themselves without submitting themselves under the law. And I think that's, that's what here, again, yes, the word is Christ. But I think also um, if we look contextually, 
James is writing to a bunch of, um, or I'm not going to say a bunch, to the Jewish nation, to Jewish believers, to them, the law was, you know, the law. Um, and But he also goes on further in verse 25. We'll get, we haven't gotten there yet, but he talks about how it's the perfect law. I think that also is talking about the heart of the law is perfect. Um, you guys want to continue 23? Yeah, James goes into uh, the word do, and he says to be doers of the word. Um, and there's, when I read verse 22, uh, I see like a direct, a direct uh, kind of suggestion, but at the same time, like a direct warning uh, to, to be doers of the word. Because when you see something direct, like you have to be, right? Be a doer. Um, you know, I've read some, some footnotes in some places where the, you see when the microphone is in front of my face, I can't read, I can't I read the Bible because Serge stole my spot today. That's why you have to hold, hold it like this <laughs> up in the air. So thanks for adjusting it. It, it's does, okay. it does make my voice a little better. Um, you have a nice voice. I just want to hear it. <laughs> I don't. Um, there's that direct warning of to be doers of the word. When, if it was written in any other way, you know, try to be doers or try to do or uh, fight to do, but it doesn't have any of that. It just says be doers. So what that tells you is that you have to take direct action into um, changing who you are. Just like verse 21 said, putting away the filthiness and wickedness. You now have to change what you are and put in forth action. You have to do, be doers of the word and not be hearers only. Um, and you might ask yourself, well, what happens if you are a strong hearer, right? And not a strong doer. And what ends up happening is exactly what verse 22 says. It says you are deceiving yourselves. Um, what is that deception in? Man. What are you deceived of? I have a great example, but I'll let you guys go first. Cause my I want to, I want to get into verse 23 and 24 to answer that question. Cause yeah, I think 20, the, yeah. the further verses kind of answer it, but at the same time, deception that's like that's such a hard well, i don't know that's such like scary thought that you're deceived i don't think you were here that time when we talked about deception and what it meant uh but pretty much deception it's not just a lie just you know just for the sake of lying it's actually uh when we talked about satan was deceiving it's something implanted in your heart to where to stray you away from a specific truth or you know in our case the truth jesus christ so it's not just to lie but it's to actually change your way of thought to something completely different. But in this context, you're doing it to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Which is even scarier because usually you, we, as humans, we tend to like think we're good at getting when someone's lying to us, but like lying to yourself is a whole other level of us not knowing when we're doing that. We never want to admit that we're lying to ourselves, you know? So verse 23 and 24 says the following. Uh, so just start up back from 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who's intently, who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So to me, what this seems like, and I've cross-referenced a verse or a passage for myself in uh, Ephesians chapter four, verses 17 through 24. And, uh, there, Apostle Paul writes the following. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
but that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So to me, what uh, this whole deception and this whole mirror thing is talking about is, you know, just to put in a simple example, you know, when you go to church on Sunday and then you are a good Christian, right? Everyone's a good Christian when they go to church on Sunday. But what happens the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday? You know, for a lot of people, they are a completely different self. They are the true self, Monday through Saturday, and then the superficial Christian on Sunday. And I think that's exactly what it's talking about here is that when we look at ourselves in the mirror on Sunday and then walk away from church, go back, going back to our normal lives, Monday through Saturday, we really forget who we really are, which are... Uh, you know, examples of Jesus Christ. We are his letter, right, to the to the world. We are to reflect his love, his like, his likeness, his image. And that's why Apostle Paul also writes in Ephesians why we are to put all that aside and how James already wrote the implement the implemented word that is supposed to be in the hearts, that's supposed to be reflected by our doings, not just not just hearing about it, but actually doing and hence why it's important for us to understand how, why we should act like Christ did, love like he did, and do everything that Christ was here on earth, that we are to represent that. That's what, you know, to me personally, that's, if someone is deceiving themselves by being a hearer only and not a doer, calling themselves Christians when in reality they're not. And, you know, later on in James chapter 3, I think James actually talks about, you know, showing, or yeah, James chapter 2, uh, where he says, uh, it talks about faith and works. Show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You know, I don't want to get into that right now, but he does continue this 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 idea. He's like on. building up to it, exactly. but he's also, I think, talking about it. One thing that I thought, um, if this verse has anything to do with the other time when he's mentioning deception. Uh, let me read it again real quickly. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Um, so I think here we agree that it was um, talking about how all th good things come from God and temptation does not come from God. Mm -hmm. Do you think then here um, people were being hearers of the word but not doers because when temptation came, they just didn't do anything about it. They were just kind of passive. Um, could it be also just, again, re reiterating that fact where um, he's calling us because he kind of built, he builds it up. He starts slowly and he's like slowly building up to a crescendo over here where he's reiterating the same thing but every time he's adding a little something to it in order to kind of like prove his argument is valid and right where he's talking about how he's he starts from the very beginning where he says you know people behave a certain way they shouldn't be behaving this way because we have the implanted word in us and then he calls us that we ought to hear it and to receive it with meekness but then not only be hearers but doers as well and to not be deceived thinking that, you know, just because we hear it, exactly like what you said. I think it is, it's just, I think it all ties in together in a beautiful picture. It does. And, you know, it's it's a little hard to see the picture and we're just going by verse by verse. But in the end, I'm sure we'll get there. But, yeah, it's very interesting to see how James is, like you say, he's painting this really big, broad picture, but he's telling, we're, re, we're breaking it down piece by piece. And this whole deception thing, it's, unfortunately, it's very common nowadays. I think, and not just, you know, for people, because there are some people that 
you know, are very active in, our, in not, I'm not going to say our, I mean, that are very active in churches, right? Not just our church, but, you know, obviously there's churches worldwide. Um, you know, we'll just give America, for example, there's many different churches in every single city that you go, and there's a lot of good people that are actively serving from their heart, right? But unfortunately, also, there's a lot of churches, not all, but there's also a lot of churches that have false doctrines or uh, might have some theologies that don't really correspond or, or line up with Scripture, and they're just allowing certain things just to justify sin, just to have exactly. bigger numbers or something like that, bigger attendance numbers, when in reality, they're only deceiving themselves because they're not true representation of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, the even even scarier thing, because my automatic thought was what you're saying right now, which is you know people who are listening to, to false, false preachings, because that's like the extreme of it. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at the the context of what James is saying. And if you're looking at the, the specific, it's really interesting the, the specific example that he gives or the, the simile that he gives, this, this imagery of, of, a, of a person standing in front of a mirror and getting a chance to examine themselves. When you look at it that way, he's not talking about a false teacher preaching to you. Mm-hmm. He's talking about you perverting God's word. Yeah. He's talking about you misunderstanding yourself. God's yeah. word. That's the scary part of the deception, that it's not a lie that you're hearing from the pulpit. It's a lie that you're telling yourself or, or you're believing yourself. You might not even be telling yourself this. And that's where I think that, I think it's such a perfect image of what we need to be doing to correct this mistake in our personal lives or if anybody has this mistake going on. Because if you're just hearing God's word, yeah, that, that word is, is flashing in front of you like a mirror. You're, you're getting that, that reaction from it. Because what happens when you read God's word? Why is it so important for us humans to read, God, read God's word? Conviction. Because it convicts us. Because when you're reading about God's word, or again, like we were talking, if you're talking about the, the Jews here who are looking at Christ who fulfilled the law, it's automatically convicting them because they're seeing perfection. And then you look in the mirror and you see imperfection. And the problem is though, that this deception happens when you take that, that information that you just received, that I am imperfect, that I'm a liar, I'm a stealer, I'm a sinner, I'm a murderer, I, I, have, I have hatred towards my brothers, I have jealousy, I have pride, all these things. When you look in that mirror and then you walk away and forget about it, when you don't do anything about it, that's the deception. It's, not, it's not something you hear from a pulpit that's evil. It's you knowing what's right and what's wrong and doing nothing about it. It's Absolutely. walking away. And that's the difference though. The people who are willing to take that deception and yes, hear it, that's a good part of it, but also go live it out. Because when you take Christ with you outside of church, like you said, outside of church on Sunday morning, when you take him with you out there, that's when you get conviction on a, <laughs> on a second to second basis because that's how much we mess up as humans. On a second to second basis, we're always messing up. Every evil thought we have is, is, a, is, a, is further proof of how messed up we are. And as long as we're, again, being doers of the word, but that means taking that word with us wherever we go and not just when we look in the mirror that one time a week, if, if one time a week. You said it perfectly, and let me add to that. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Exactly what you were saying. The word of God, you look, through, you look at it like a mirror and it points back to you and it shows you where you are wrong. And if you don't take that literally and you don't change, like you were saying, you're deceiving yourself. And that's where uh, it moves on to the next verses in James. It talks about looking intently 
Um, are we moving on to the next one? 25? Yeah, I wanted yeah. to add real quick. Um, we all want to add. So yeah. I want to add. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to verse my, one. My, my heels are burning here. Um, I wanted to add that you got to focus, when you focus on the keywords, here, is this better, Mark? That's when good. You when you focus on the keywords, it says that for if a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face. Um, when you think about the word observing, uh, this is kind of, I'm going to give John MacArthur credit here because um, there I was trying to s study this a little more in depth, um, but some verses are short, so there's not much like you think you can get out of it, but when you uh, look at other people's write writings, more of a community study, um, you can see that it opens up a bigger picture. So hermeneutics there. Yeah, there's a there's an interesting uh, kind of parallel that when you focus on the word observing, that means you are in a state where you are carefully studying who you are. You're taking time to look at yourself because if we're talking about a mirror, most of the time you kind of glance real quick, right? Uh, especially us guys, like we don't spend time at the mirror. If I'm walking by, if I'm looking at the mirror, it's probably I'm walking by and I keep walking. But <laughs> when we look at our wives, oftentimes they have that observation. They spend more time to focus on details. So what, what I'm getting at here is you have to observe yourself and think about the filthiness, the wickedness, and all the things that are holding you back. You might ask yourself, how do I know if I am um, deceiving myself? How do we know if we're deceiving ourselves? I think one, one clear answer to that is if sin is at your heart, if there is a sin in your life and you have that conviction, you have that guiltiness, but you keep moving forward and you don't fix it, you don't Here lay only. it aside, you don't um, take care of it, that is when you start deceiving yourselves. And that's exactly what you guys mentioned, um, talking about when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, your, you sh your reflection should be God. Your reflection should be the word of God. That's what you're looking for. But you're seeing when you, if you don't see that in yourself and you're not striving towards that, you are in a state of deceiving yourself. You're telling yourself something that's false. And I asked myself this interesting question, what is what is another worst thing you can do to yourself other than deceive yourself? Because ultimately, when you deceive yourself, it leads to death. It leads to, you know, you're not, your path is not headed to be with Christ in um, eternity. Your path is to be in eternity somewhere else. I mean, so s literally you are harming yourself by deceiving yourself. And, and that's one of the worst things that, you know, I could think of that you're doing because it's something that's not apparent to others, right? Oftentimes it's something that you know about, but you're silencing it and you're moving forward. So you can't, you have to observe yourself. And when you do observe yourself, just kind of in the same verse moving forward is you have to look at all the qualities, observe yourself, not only glance, but observe. And when you go away, if you observe yourself, you will remember what's there only if you act and change. And I think that's what it's getting into here is um, you can't immediately forget what kind of man he was, but he who looks in the perfect, moving a little bit forward, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I should rewind back a little bit. Maybe um, you should read it for I what know, it actually yeah. says. <laughs> observe, observe, observing is a big keyword. I think we should observe ourselves against the word of God. And uh, do you think a lot of people do observe themselves? That's my question, because we, we've all agreed when you do observe yourself and you realize there's an issue, 
and you ignore it, that's a bad thing. As a personal example, when I, you, I think they observe more on the good attributes yeah. of themselves rather than the bad. For sure. But I think we all know what our bad attributes are. Well, I, I, I think you'd be lying to say that like you truly don't know that I'm I'm a prideful person or or I'm egotistical or something like you are. I think. Well, the, the focus. Just an example, you know. The focus <laughs> is to not only be hearers of the word, but doers. So our our reaction isn't necessarily to ourselves. Our reaction is to the word, because uh, verse twenty one. Therefore, I think verse twenty one already kind of talks about action. We've mentioned it. I just want to repeat and kind of point the fact that there's already action in place here, and it's what it's really calling us to do: to put away. The action is to put away, right? To put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Um, to put that away and then to receive the word. And um, that's an action of actually doing the word when we receive it. Um, but that's that's my question is I think a lot, it, in today's um, theology, in a lot of the teachings, what people are listening to, it's the feel-good gospels. Um, and I think Mark already brought this up in a previous podcast, how a, a lot of the current Christianity today, what a lot of people are listening to is... Uh, prosperity preaching, prosperity gospel. Um, and it's all about you. It's all about how you can be better. Um, it's not necessarily on the word. It's not talking about the sin in your life. It's just talking about, you know, oh, you can do better. Oh, this is all about you. And I think sometimes even people, when they read, I think one thing to point out too is you have to read the word, right? If somebody's just reading through Psalms and it's all about, you know, the good, the good um, that God is doing in David's life, yeah, that's great. But there's not a lot um, that could be pointing towards your sin on the inside. We see a lot of David's personal reflection, but we don't necessarily see a lot of call-outs for sin. Because I know like a lot of people, that'll, that's what they'll do is they'll do their, their little psalm devotional throughout the day. And that's kind of like their little check mark that they've actually read the word. So it's important first to look into the mirror if you actually want to um, be a doer of or to change anything. Uh, it's almost like his analogy works. It almost, yeah. I had a, I had another I had another analogy I wanted to share a personal analogy before we jump into that one. It's like when your car keeps telling you that you have to do something and you ignore it, and then check engine light. Yeah, and then today when you're driving and you get a low pressure oil thing, and then you're like, you know something's wrong, <laughs> and then your car stalls today, and you're like, oh man, I probably should have paid attention to that little thing a little. Talk about yourself. No, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's jump into the analogy. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that bit out there. It's important to actually be hearers and to pay attention to it. I think a lot of people don't. And I think this kind of circles back to what we started with, which was to receive that word, mm -hmm. you have to receive it in meekness. Mm -hmm. There has to be humility because, again, it's just not natural for us to want to acknowledge our our downfalls. Like That's not natural for humans to want to admit that I have a, I have a problem. And, and that's where, that's kind of the, the key starting ingredient to make this whole thing happen, that you have to be able to accept that meekness. Because again, you can tell people all you want that they act a certain way and this is wrong and you need to change, but until they are willing to humble themselves, even an ounce, then maybe God has a, a way to get in there, you know, and, and to, to put some sort of peace or grace or love into their heart. But as long as you put yourself as number one, you're not letting God it's in. It's like in any tilling way. the soil. It's more like a prerequisite, right? You can't really change yourself if you, when you read the word and you're just like, whatever, ignore it. I don't care, because that's I think just like you said, it's like the first step. 
Mm-hmm. You got to accept it. You got to know how to accept it, not just read the word and ignore it. Yep. It's, it's the new year, right? Everybody has a new resolution. A lot of people do to read the whole Bible in one year, right? So for me, I hadn't shared this earlier, but from my resolution for this year is to slow down, you know, because kind of what we were talking about here, don't be a hero of the, the word, but doer. I feel like when I'm reading through the Bible for a year, everybody should do that. Everybody should start by reading the entire Bible, New and Old Testament to get an overview and then go deeper, you know, like go, that's, that's the surface and then you go deeper. And I feel like that's what my resolution for this year is to slow down, to read a section and stop and think about it and meditate on those, a verse maybe, maybe a little sentence, maybe a section and apply it. Look into that mirror of the word and see how can I apply that in my life? And that's when God can start working in, in, in my life. And that kind of ties in perfectly with what we are saying here. Because I can literally just read or put on an audio Bible and I can fly through chapters, you know, in one day. And like you're at work or whatever. You can, you can read an entire, listen to an entire book of the Bible easily. But how much did you get out of it? That's kind of where, for me, that's where I want to but stop. The, the bigger question is why? Why is this important? Well, okay, so that's, I was going to go into that too because verse 25 ends in such a like chipper way because, okay, let's, let's just re, reread verse 25. Verse 25 has a lot to do with, like the ending of 25 has a lot to do with 24, 23. 24. Yeah, yeah, that's why I feel like it's a good conclusion. Um, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So it's, it's like a happy ending. Basically, if you're, if you're willing to go through it all, if you're willing to fulfill the law, if you're willing to not forget the word, not just hear it, but do it, he concludes by saying, um, this one will be blessed in what he does. My question to you guys, is this, is this a blessing that is on this earth or is this, you know, post on this earth life? You know, our blessing is in heaven. Our blessing is being with God for an eternity. Is it a little bit of both? Both, I think. Both? Yeah. Mark, you have a smile on your face. Mark with the K. Oh, I wasn't done with the previous section. That's why I was smiling. <laughs> I knew that's why you were smiling. <laughs> I don't think you're ever done with any section. No, I just... Uh, we're, so just hitting, liberty, we're just hitting the hour liberty mark. liberty is an interesting thing to bring up. I, I feel like there's a whole topic on its own there. But let me answer your question real quick. I think, because you asked around the table, I think um, when it says this one will be blessed in what he does, um, I think that is kind of touching in both because once you accept the word, you accept Christ into your life and you lay aside all your filthiness and wickedness and you start changing yourself and serving God, um, God's blessing is still needed in your life. There's going to be a lot of obstacles that you're going to run into, issues you're going to have. This isn't a accept Jesus and everything will be perfect. Um, If anything, your life will get more difficult. So that blessing is needed in your life. And if you do... um, if you do, you know, if you're if you're not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word uh, uh, of the work, that's when you're going to need the blessing. So that's when God is going to provide the blessing to you. That's just to answer your question. I was thinking. Well, I have a little further back, but I think I can add it in towards the end. It'll kind of match up. Uh, right before we jumped into the blessings, uh, there's things that he mentions here is. 
the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty. So I wanted to kind of bring to attention, what is the perfect law? I think we've already agreed that it's the word of God. What's interesting for me is how he says it's the law of liberty. Because when I think about the law, I think about Romans. I think about um, Paul talking about like, I would not know what sin was if it was not for the law. What's the strong keyword you're focusing on here? Mm-hmm. Sin? Law? Yes. Liberty. Liberty? Liberty, law, yeah. the law of liberty. How can how can a law be liberating? You know, how can because uh, usually laws are meant to tie people down to restrict people from doing things. It's not like the law is you can do this. It's the law is usually what you cannot do. Yeah, when I think of liberty, I think of something um, that you're using to free yourself. Um, the only time you need liberty is when you have something holding you down, holding you back, holding you hostage, or um, you know, I, 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 I like to bring up the example. When I hear the word liberty, the first thing that comes into my head is like, give me liberty or give me death. You know, uh, back when Patrick Henry said that with the whole Boston Tea Party and the taxation going on. But um, just from a worldview perspective, um, that speech was uh, very, you know, well known still to this day and it's important. And the word liberty is so strong because of that speech, just in a worldview, again, uh, not scripture based, but because they were under the, uh, control of the king, uh, and they had certain things that were holding them back. They didn't have that freedom, even though they were across, you know, as we say, across the pond. Um, they were still being controlled. They were still freedoms that they couldn't exercise um, per the law, but they wanted to rebel against that to have the freedom, to be liberated. So if you um, are thinking of um, being liberated, it is definitely, like Mark said, from sin. Um, sin is the thing that holds us in bondage. And if we um, do focus on the perfect law, which is the word, Old Testament, New Testament together, the word Jesus Christ, that is what will be our liberty from sin, from bondage of sin. And it is perfect. Okay. So then to apply this to our day-to-day lives, because you guys know I like to do that, I feel like the applicator. You and, James, yes. <laughs> you and James would have a lot in common. We would. Yeah, yeah. Me, and, me and him are real close. I think you're going to have a lot of conversations when you guys see each other. Um, okay. I told those guys. <laughs> so seeing as how James likes, he ends up kind of closing this thought on, on being doers of the word with this idea of, of you know, blessing. And we, we all love that. You know, that's such a, that's such a typical Christian thing to do for each other. You know, God bless you, blessings upon your family, on your children. And that's just something we love to do for each other. I think that this is very important for us to take almost in a very serious way though, because the implications of the other side of it are very serious here then, because he's saying that if you are a doer of the word, then you will receive these blessings. But then automatically I get the thought, what about the people who aren't doers of the word. They're deceiving themselves. They're deceiving themselves and there's a lack of blessing in their life. And like we all said, I think that yes, there is, this is stating that, you know, when we pass away and we get into heaven, our, our blessing is waiting for us there. Our, our perfect, perfect eternity with Christ is waiting for us there. But I think that he also means on this earth that our blessing will progress here. And I don't think it's blessing as in like riches and fame and fortune. I think it's blessing in our, our works in him on this earth, whether it's your ministry, whether it's your church, I think there will be blessing there if you're a doer of his word, not just a hearer. And I think that's important for us to acknowledge because very often you see people who 
they seem to be in ministry. They seem to be very dedicated. They seem to be doing a lot. And at a certain point, they burn out or they quit because it doesn't get them anywhere. And because there's no, they don't see any sort of result from all their ministry. And the truth might be that it's not that your church is bad. It might not be that someone else ruined your opportunities. The truth might be that you're just a hearer of his word and not a doer. Maybe on the surface, you seem like you're a Christian and you seem like you know what you're talking about, but behind closed doors, God knows you're not doing anything close to his word. And, and that's where you're missing that blessing. And I think that's important for us and whoever might be listening. If you are involved in a church, if you're involved in ministries, I mean, we all are. I think that's very important for us. If we want blessings in our ministries, if we want blessings in our serving the Lord, we have to be careful that we are also doers of his word because the results of our ministries kind of write on that. That blessing is writing on how far we're willing to go with doing his word, not just hearing it. One word that we didn't mention, I think kind of applies to being doers of the word is sanctification, where we're constantly being sanctified, constantly being renewed and transformed into the image of Christ. Um, I think that in and of itself is a blessing where the, the closer we are to Christ, the, the more we are um, sanctified, the more joy we have, the more blessed we would be. I think this term blessing also applies in many different aspects in our life. When, for instance, if you're at work and you lie, um, you lie enough, there will be consequences where in certain situations, if you're always truthful, if you're always honest, you have a clean record, you do good, you do right. Um, it will be nothing but a blessing to you in your life. If you, if you talk about it, like if you follow the word and it talks about how you ought to live your life every day, when we do live our life, our relationships with everyone around us are um, everything we do around us would te technically, because it'll be blessed because we're doing it the right way. I think that's just like a, a law of nature, right? Um, there will, there will be people who, uh, will be, uh, counter to that. Um, there will be, you know, enemies, people that try to shoot you down, but if you behave, um, righteously, if you behave correctly, I think it'll give you peace in your heart knowing that you did the right thing. Um, even if there are enemies and I think God will still, uh, set things right, um, on that fact. I want to add a passage. <clears throat> Me too. <laughs> Uh, Romans chapter 6, verse uh, 22. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Perfect. If you read uh, this chapter 6 from Romans, it talks about being, it pretty much causes slaves either to sin or slaves to God. Uh, you know, they might seem like, well, which one's better, which one's worse? It seem about the same because you're still a slave no matter what. You're submitting yourself. But the difference is the fact that one leads to eternal life and the other one leads to eternal death, separation from God, where, which is exactly what Apostle Paul is writing here. It's, like you mentioned, it leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life, the submission to God. In other passages, you can also see how God actually uh, causes heirs to his kingdom, right? There's an inheritance that awaits for us. You don't read anything about like that when, uh, when it's talking about being slave to sin. But when you're a slave to God, even James himself comes, calls himself a bond servant to Jesus Christ. He doesn't even call himself a brother, but he humbles himself. We talked about this at the very beginning of this uh, series, but he calls himself a bond servant to Jesus Christ. 
Apostle Paul is the same thing, and so does Peter and many other people. But the fact is, is that this reflection, sanctification, conviction, you know, noticing our faults, our weaknesses, and acting upon them. We hear the fact that we're wrong, but what do you do with it, right? This process of sanctification, the why behind it is because in the end, we will inherit eternal life. Yeah, and going into a little bit contextually, uh, why it's referenced the, you know, the perfect law of liberty. Um, if you remember back, I found this in John chapter 8, um, when uh, the people, um, basically Jesus was approached and they were saying, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. And they're asking Jesus, how can you say you will be made free? They were asking about what do you mean by we will be free? What are you referencing into the liberty? And, and Jesus answers and says that, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So he, that kind of wraps up of what uh, it means to have that liberty um, from the perfect law, is Jesus himself saying that only I can set you free. These are not actually James's own words, right? But being no. doing here, these actually are the words of Jesus Christ. Right. If you read Luke chapter eleven twenty-eight, he said, uh, "Blessed rather are those who hear the word and keep it." Mm -hmm. So this is not something that James came up on his own, but these are actually the words of Christ. I'm done. Otherwise, this podcast will never be over. <laughs> no, I love I love how like we all have our own points and it all harmonizes with one another, but we're kind of all bouncing around this verse. <laughs> And Such in, a powerful verse. Hopefully the, you guys are staying with us here. In the spirit of that harmony, I'll bounce around a little too. Um, <laughs> Let's no, talk about verse 19 one, real quick. No, one, <laughs> one, ver one word we didn't mention in verse 25, I just wanted to point it out. Kind of, I think we've agreed. James is like, hear, do, hear, do, hear, do. He, he has this constant thing, you must hear and then you must do. Um, verse 25, we've talked about it. I wanted to pay attention to a word that says perseveres, right? So he again begins, uh, just for people to understand um, kind of like what exactly James is saying here. But the one who looks, so the, the action here is to look, or as in we've mentioned to hear, right? The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, the perseverance, right? That That's one thing that I think we've constantly been talking about is to do, but is that of our own volition? Is that within our own power? Because here he is saying also that you must persevere and a per persevere, to persevere is not necessarily something easy to do. Um, to submit is not something that is easy to do. We've talked about um, uh, how we ought to be receiving something with meekness. Uh, one quote I love, um, uh, somebody said, meekness is not weakness, right? Because to be meek, it, it doesn't take, you know, a weak person to be meek. When, you, um, when you're meek, you're, you're purposely controlling yourself, holding yourself down when your impulse is telling you otherwise in certain situations. Um, turning, you know, somebody hits you in the cheek, turning the other one is not very easy to do according to, you know, Christ's teaching. Um, but I think with the power of God, we're able to do a lot of things. Um, what do you guys think is on that topic? I kind of, we, we kind of talked about doing, but we never ne necessarily talked about like the actual act of doing and the, dif the difficulty. Move forward and continue in it. Otherwise you don't have that practice. Of it. Would that be considered a trial? To some degree. Sometimes. Continue on in next season. <laughs> we're going to talk about. 
it's it's hard. To, I agree with you, Mark. Um, there's really yeah. not much. There's a lot we can say. Add on, continue on, but there's. I don't want to say anything else. But I do want to just reread these couple of passages for us one more time, just to engrave um, these verses, piece, uh, scripture from God, just in our hearts, so that we can remind, think about them at least throughout the rest of the week. But be hearers, but be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer her acts, he will be blessed in his doing. And I would like to close in prayer. Dearly, Father, I thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity that you gave us to be here today to discuss your word and that you remind us how important it is to not just read the Bible, to not just go to church and listen to sermons and sing songs, but to actually take what we hear, apply it to ourselves and not forget who we are throughout the week, that we can allow your word to convict us and that we can act upon it and change our life so that we can reflect your love who you are, so that other people can come to know you as well. Be with us, be with those who are struggling right now, and that you come to their aid in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.